All right, guys, welcome back to the Business Shift podcast. Today, we're bringing on Alan Miles. Alan is a father of five, business consultant focused on helping other online coaches build sustainable six-figure businesses to create freedom in their life. To make that transition to business owner, Alan gave himself a set period of time to launch his first online business whilst doing the nine to five business he owned and ran. He requ it required sacrifice and a clear plan with set outcomes to mark the success and journey. So I cannot wait to bring him on and get some insights there. So let's go ahead and cue that intro. Welcome to The Business Shift, the podcast for online entrepreneurs who are focused on making the shift to business owners. We talk about what it takes to build and grow a thriving digital empire and the transition required as you grow. This is a shift I chose to make in my own business, your client success, and one you'll want to consider making as you grow from solopreneur to business owner. Please share and enjoy. All right, Alan, welcome to the show. Hey, thanks for having me. It's good to be here. Yeah, super excited to have you on. So I wanted to start with the question that I start every podcast with, which is, do you think that there's a difference between being a solopreneur and being a business owner? And if so, what is that difference? Yeah. Um, so I do think there is, is quite a big difference, in all honesty, between being a solopreneur and a business owner. And I think there doesn't need to be a difference, but most people have a very different mindset in it. And it's a case of when you're at that solopreneur, I think the name sometimes elicits this response, but it, it feels as though it is everything. Like it is you essentially. And it's really a case of um, that mindset of your success in business is tied to how successful you are as a human being. Whereas a business mm -hmm. owner is much more about the analytics of something and much more about the process and the pattern of behavior that we're looking at to understand is the business growing and your, you as the CEO or business owner are a cog in that machine or, or potentially the thing that's cranking the cogs, but you're not like, whether the business is successful or not, it doesn't determine whether you're a good human being. And I think that's the big area where we get stuck in the mud as a solopreneur. And it's that thing of the business isn't going well. I'm not a good person. I shouldn't be doing this. It's all very self-critical judgment instead of like the business, the, the business isn't going well. Yes, I'm a solopreneur, but the thing I'm doing isn't going well. Why not? How do we diagnose that fault and correct that fault as opposed to thinking it's some kind of personal judgment? Oh, yes. And when you were talking, it brought to my mind that people also do it on the other side of things of like, oh, I don't feel like doing this today. I don't want to show up for my business because they've connected it directly to themselves. And so it's like, okay, how I'm feeling is valid when it's instead of being an intuitive business owner going, oh, I just will work on it when I feel like it. It's about looking in it and looking at it and going, this is its own entity. It's, it's got its own identity um, and it's something separate from myself. So how do you start on that process to separate? Let's say you've built a business where you have built it around yourself. How would you start that process to separate it? Yeah, I think it's a good point. They're definitely about the doing things as and when you want to do it and using yourself as that validation of, well, it's my business, I can do as I wish. And I think that just to touch on that, I have quite a hard line on that. It's a case of if you wouldn't do it in a nine to five, then you shouldn't do it in your own business because it's it's that mm -hmm. thing of, well, if you know you're reporting to somebody else like uh, and you wouldn't be able to get away with taking the day off without any kind of notice, then there's yeah. probably a reason why you shouldn't be doing it in your own business. 
I think the journey starts by becoming um, like acutely aware of yourself, like your strengths and your weaknesses and understanding like where is that opportunity? Where does the devil live essentially in your business and in that operation? Because if you're somebody who is quite emotional and you know you can be affected positively or negatively by things happening, well, then you have to start building some processes around yourself um, to be able to really like separate and avoid those pitfalls from coming up. So it could be that you are super emotional when it comes to rejection. And that's mm. going to in turn mean that you're not going to want to show up to work the next day. Well, if you have a process in place around what are your non-negotiable actions that you have to take, and you have a pool of data that demonstrates that it produces the results, well, that's something that as the business starts to grow, you can bring somebody in to start running that process for you. And you can step away from that process to then focus on, quote unquote, working on the business, not in the business so much. But it, it really starts with, I think, before you even get to that point of really coming to peace with yourself and your strengths and weaknesses and yeah. understanding that everyone has different strengths and weaknesses. And that's what makes you you and makes you unique. Um, and then really start to build a plan around that. Mm, yes. So I've heard, um, as I've been interviewing people on this podcast saying, make sure that you at least know how to do the thing before hiring it out, even if you're bad at it. Would you recommend that as well? So if you look at it and go, yes, here are my strengths, here are my weaknesses. When do you know it's the right time to then hire it out to the point where you can still understand what is going on in the business as a whole, but not actually do the thing? Yeah, I think it depends what it is. Um, I think there's some things in your business that you should probably keep hold of as long as possible. Um, there's like other what, things. Example? So let's say something that requires a very heavy technical skill set. Well, if you aren't already a coder, I, I don't recommend you go and learn code. Um, but I, I do think that it's important that you understand what the expectation is and understand like what the process looks like, even if you don't necessarily understand the step by steps of what that person has to do in each step, you understand the time frame, the workflow and how to manage that person. That's something that you would hand out immediately uh, to get outsourced. Whereas other things like sales, marketing, those things in your business, those are things that you really want, in my opinion, anyway, keep hold of as long as you can, because for most people, they're building a personal brand. And it's yeah. very hard for an external person to project your brand in your vision as well as you can. Um, and I think that's the thing. The same with sales. Like people love to talk to the owner and talk yeah. to the person who is really driving the brand forward. Obviously, as you grow, you can't take every call and you can't do everything. But being there, I think, gives you that extra star power. And if you look at anyone who's really built something successful, in my opinion, anyway, when you really look at them as business owners or as sports personalities and the things they go on and do, they find a way to be present in those things that are important. And most of the time, that's going to be around their brand and being the face of their brand to continue to drive it forward. Okay. So do you, do you think that if somebody builds the brand around themselves, that's kind of setting up their business to lead more of a solopreneur business compared to setting up a business that's centered around the product? Um, no, I don't, I don't think it's necessarily you're setting yourself up for a solopreneur um, 
like business, but I do think that you are very much putting yourself front and center of that business, which means you have to remain the face of that business for quite a long time. It's usually yeah. an example here, Tony Robbins or Grant Cardone, two good examples. They're both the face of their business. For anyone who's a bit of a 10Xer, which um, like I am, like Grant Cardone, I think has done some really good things. Yeah. He's made a fundamental shift the last year or so with a large part of his business to make it much more about 10x than Grant Cardone. So it's a conscious shift because he has started to step away from those things. But yet Tony Robbins has remained front and center in his business. Could you imagine going to a Tony Robbins Unleash the Power Within and some guy called Brad walks out on stage? <laughs> You'd be like, where's Tony gone? Who's this guy? <laughs> <laughs> so it's the expectation he doesn't need to be there he doesn't need the paycheck but he is the brand and he is right. there and he's present as the brand and obviously he has a whole function around him so he's not a solopreneur but right. he built a brand around himself which has kept him front and center mm, i appreciate that distinction so what would you say your goal and aim is in your business are you looking to be front and center in the brand or are you looking to have the product be the brand yeah, I think it's, it's an interesting question. And I think that um, that vision has changed over the years of um, what I want from the business. At this point yeah. in time, I am front and center in the brand. We have myself and other people involved in the process from a deliverables perspective, but I'm always there or thereabouts in that room, unless it's very clearly understood that I'm why I'm not there. So for me, I, I've built this business around me, my experience, um, like what I've been through. And that's what pulls my people in is being able to work with somebody who understands that life throws you curveballs. And it's a, not about not having curveballs. It's about how do you deal with them um, right. and using them to really propel you forward. Right. Yes. Okay. So can you tell me a little bit more about your business and how it kind of started, why you started it? Um, and if you made that transition, like, did you start it as a solopreneur and then go into a, being a business owner? What was that whole journey for you? Yeah. So the business that we run now is very much a, a business consultancy. We work one-to-one -one with people. Um, and that came from a, a real, real core belief that I think when you're building a business, for most people, they need one-to-one -one attention rather than mm -hmm. group-based uh, attention. So for me, I work one-to-one -one with people, helping them to get more attention, helping them to get leads and sales, and then helping them to systemize the process. That really came out of the culmination of the previous 20 years of, of being in business, building businesses, running businesses. So before I came to the online world, I worked in the recruitment industry uh, mm -hmm. for about 15 years and built a couple of businesses uh, as well as working for some like UK high street brands. But the final four to five years, uh, I built a seven figure business uh, in the recruitment space. And it, I think it taught me a lot of lessons around how to build a business. And it was never a thing of being a one man show. It was a business from day one. Mm -hmm. uh, we had a team of four or five, and then we had a support function uh, that also helped us. So making that transition online, for me, it started as a solopreneur journey. It started with a high ticket fitness business, and I ran it parallel to still being the director or CEO, or CEO, daily operations, running the recruitment company. 
And to be honest, would I recommend other people do that? If they're a maniac, maybe. (laughs) So it was a a hard... So you're calling yourself a maniac. (laughs) Yeah, Yeah. Yeah. I'm one of those people that when I commit to something, I'm going to see it through. But there's moments in in that journey where... I was sleep deprived. I was yeah. like very much like low. And if I hadn't have maybe been through some of the challenges that I had previously in life and also built a very good skill set in sales, I think it, it may have broken me at, at points. So uh, my advice to anybody who is looking to launch something who already has their nine to five consistency and patience are the two things you need to have in abundance. And you want mm-hmm. to stretch that runway. The longer the runway the easier it is to launch it because you have to do less in the moment. You have a longer time. You have more leeway to be able to correct yourself. If you only have a three-month window and you're burning credit cards, um, you have to be able to get a result. And ultimately, when you open a business, you're a grown adult, but you need to know your strength and you need to know your risk tolerance. And I think that plays a really big part in that journey of, understanding are you somebody who can stand the heat of a high risk move which is going all in and essentially working two full-time jobs for three months if you are go for it if you're somebody who maybe doesn't want quite so much pressure then to me it's extend the runway and give yourself 12 to 18 months to get things up and running and then have a steady transition over so that it's smooth right okay awesome so can you tell me a little bit about what your current team is like and what was that first hire that you brought on yeah so we have uh, a couple in the coaching department um, a couple in the sales and lead generations department and then we have some general admin staff Um, so my first hire was actually on the appointment setting side so bringing somebody in to the trenches with me I'm very hands-on in the business and I think that for me like building a career in in cold outreach essentially which is what recruitment is picking up the phones right. every day knocking on doors i have no problem with being in those dms and kind of sending the messages but you get to a point where the only way to start to scale those types of operations is to create more time and create more yeah. hours so that's when you bring in extra human beings that's the type of role that i believe you should scale as early as possible in the business, once you have proof of concept and you can quantify the outcome like consistently, that's the moment you should start to be bringing people in there. Uh, And then on the coaching side of things, it's really a case of it depends on how you are. Like if you're more coaching biased, then that's something you're probably going to do at the very end when you're at capacity. If you're more sales and um, sales biased, then you maybe will bring somebody in at a slightly earlier point to help on that side Um, but for me it was my first hire was on the um, the appointment setting side and that's that's essentially what the team looks like at this point okay awesome what has been the biggest thing that you have learned from managing a team the biggest thing I've learned from managing a team uh, if it's a remote team that it's hard work you have to mm-hmm. over communicate um, mm-hmm. and you need to you need to, I believe, get as much buy in into their goals and dreams as you have in your own. 
Like right. I will sit down with each member of the team and I will understand to them like what is important in their life. Why do they show up to work every day and what's really driving them? And then I'm going to buy into those goals. I'm going to yeah. champion those goals with them just as much as I champion my own goals. Because if I can help somebody fulfill their goals, well, they are going to in turn help me to fulfill mine. So I think that being an over communicator really helps that I'm a fairly introverted person by nature. So it doesn't come naturally. You know, it's an, an effort to have to reach out. And I think that maybe one of the early lessons I learned with building a team, and I think is a really valuable one for a lot of people is that just because you can build a team and everyone talks about building a business and having lots of people there doesn't mean you should and doesn't mean you have to. Mm -hmm. You can have an incredibly successful business as just yourself with maybe one person there from a support perspective or using AI and automation really well. You don't have to build a team and building a team won't make you more successful by default. Mm -hmm. It actually starts to create more variables which increase your risk of failure as well as your chances for success. So I think that was a, a very early lesson that I learned that a lot of people overlook because the narrative online nowadays is start a business, get proof of concept, build a team, and you'll be a millionaire. Right. It's not that simple in reality. Right. Oh, I love that you bring this point up. So how does somebody know when it is a good time to build a team and if they do need to build a team with the business that they're trying to accomplish? I, I think the um, I think when you're looking at it to see should I build a team, this this really depends on what your goal is, and I think this is where you have to be crystal crystal clear on what your personal goal is. So, for me, I sold my other business to spend more time at home with the kids. So I'm not in a season right now where maximum growth is my priority. I'm in a season of growth where, I, yes, I want to be affluent, but I'm not trying to build a gigantic corporation. I, I'm trying to enjoy my life and enjoy my children being young. Um, so it's first of all, you have to get very clear on does building a team align with your goals? Yeah. If it does, well, then the next logical step is do you have the skill set to be able to manage the team? And if you don't, then you need to invest in yourself, first of all, to start to learn that skill set. Right. Because it's unfair, I think, to bring in team members and learn how to manage them as they go. You're going right. to burn some fantastic team members. And I think it's important to remember, and we can sometimes get wrapped up in our own journeys, but to remember that that team member is a human being that has a family potentially they need to feed. Uh, you now have an obligation to them, whether they're an employee or whether they're a contractor. Right. Uh, you need to be able to juggle that and be able to manage them in a good way. If you've never managed anyone before, I yeah. think most people you need to invest in your education around like persuasion and around management and leadership. Yeah. Uh, because we've all had a boss before normally a boss that we hated, as well as one that we maybe, if we've been fortunate, we actually liked. There's mm -hmm. a difference. So learning to be a leader instead of a, a boss or a man manager is a really important skill. Ooh, yes. Okay. So what has been the biggest thing that you're currently struggling with as a business owner? And what have you been looking into to move past or move through that struggle? 
Yeah. So I think in all honesty, one of the big areas, um, as I just touched on, like I, I'm naturally an introverted person yeah. and all of the teams that I've built before being online have been face to face. Like they've been in the same room as me. Right. So I can shout across an office or walk across the office to go and speak to them. You see everyone on a daily basis. Everyone's on the same time zone. It's easy. And I think for me, the natural inclination is, oh, well, maybe it's just easier if I just do it myself and yeah. start to take things back from team members when actually you have to lean into that. It's like, well, you made that commitment yeah. to grow to a certain point, like fulfill your obligations. And it's just about, I think, adjusting to those new patterns of behavior of you don't have to have everything on your back all of the time. It's okay mm. to share the load. Um, but it's then about communicating expectations having measurable things in place. Um, and that, I think, is an area that a lot of businesses struggle and it's an area that, for me, so follow through in that area is a is a natural area um, that requires work. Yes, Oof, I appreciate that answer. So what has been the most important systems you've started to put in place and implement in your business to kind of lay those solid foundations to run a successful team to run a successful business that's separate from yourself yeah so i think it comes down to um operating procedures that focus on core actions mm -hmm. so when you strip everything away all of the fancy stuff if you just get down to the real basics and understand when we look at the sales side of the business, what do we care about? Well, we care yeah. about some, a couple of set metrics of calls being booked, people showing up and sales happening. Yeah. If we can track those and we can help to make the team members accountable for those actions and that they're doing the work required to achieve those, uh, those outcomes, then that's all that's needed in that area. If we look at client success and we look at the coaching side of it, which starts to become a bit more blurry, it's a case of, well, what do we care about? We care about people getting results, people being happy, people referring, and people re-signing. If we can right. monitor those metrics, and if we can have a couple of processes in place to make sure that those things are happening and those numbers are yeah. always improving, that right. to me is, is the core fundamentals for most businesses. And I think that they overcomplicate it by having such, like, convoluted systems it's like you're a three-person operation why do you need a nine-figure system here like you're not running microsoft like you're running a business from your spare right. bedroom which is nothing wrong with that but it's about looking at where am i and what really matters because we're not c-level execs that need to go and sit in board meeting after board meeting after board meeting we need to show right. up for a huddle for five minutes to look at some data or look at a loom video that someone sent to be able to say is this working yes keep doing it is this working no okay we need to make an adjustment these are the adjustments we need to make so that we can take yeah. tangible fast action okay that is very tactical and i appreciate that perspective so um, my last question for you before we kind of finish up is looking back now, as you've gone through this whole journey, what advice would you give to somebody who is looking to make that transition? Meaning they, they've decided that they want to be a business owner. They want to start to grow. They want to start to outsource, um, but they're having a hard time making that transition. What would be some first action steps somebody could take to really make 
that transition. Yeah. So I think if you're somebody who is looking to start a business, I would find a way to test, first of all, to understand is, and there's a saying, isn't there? Quite a few people say something along the lines of like, don't do something you love, do something you like. And I think that's a really important distinction because if you're doing something you love, oh, yes, that's good some days, but there's other days that you're going to be like, well, I don't really love this so much anymore. Yeah. Um, but if you like what you do, and especially the process of doing it, that's where you can show up consistently. And I think you need to find a way to dip your toe in the water, first of all, mm. uh, maybe do a bit of uh, free work for somebody, like maybe pick up a small gig or something like that, where you get to experience what's it like actually doing it when you don't have the uh, rose-tinted glasses on and you can see it for the kind of the nuts and bolts of what daily life might might now start to look like. And yeah. then I believe you need to have a very clear plan. Like what financially are the numbers that you need to be hitting or that you have money in the bank that you're secure to be able to keep living life? Because the tendency is once you see some success is that people will want to jump quickly. And that's right. what, what I did. I moved very quickly and it creates a very slippery slope because you can, the psychology behind it in, in from what I could see was when you're doing it and it's something in addition to your income, it's, it's all gravy. Like it's all great and it's all good and it's extra money. The moment you lose your main income and this is now your sole income, you tense up, you start to act mm -hmm. differently because you're now, 100% reliant on this thing to produce revenue and income month to month. The moment you're in a business, I think, as an employee can, mm. can become a dangerous thing, especially in a small business. Like entrepreneurship is it's like, like a, it's like waves, like it's ups and downs, and that's the natural flow and cadence. So I yeah. think like the important things to think of is understand, first of all, do you really want to do this thing? Find a way to just to see if that's true. Secondly, have a very clear plan of the financial implications of what needs to be there to keep life ticking over as it is. And then finally, I would start working on getting attention. And this mm -hmm. is something that I think isn't spoken about enough. And now everyone hears about posting regularly on social, but they don't necessarily yeah. understand why. And um, something that I will always remember Grant Cardone saying in a training session was marketing is senior to the sale. And as somebody who's a salesman, there's a certain degree of arrogance there that you can sell your way out of a situation. You can sell yourself one by one and you can do that, but that's a very much a hunter mindset and it gets yeah. tiring after a while if you can work on building an audience and getting attention that gives you far more sales opportunity runway allow build what's needed to be able to make a comfortable transition so even though you might not naturally be a marketer i know i'm definitely not but but it's learning that skill set to be good enough so that you can start to build your audiences and build them every that's the, the first thing at that point you're then able to you have so many more options available mm, amazing this has been so good so i heard you have a free training on how you can help your clients produce up to 40k cash collected per month can you tell me more about that and can you tell me where people can find you if they want to get connected yeah, absolutely. So you can go to my website, alanmiles.com. Um, Alan is spelled A-L-L-A-N um, instead of 
the different multiple different spellings so if you go to my website you'll find all of my socials there i'm on facebook instagram tiktok you can find me in any of those major places most of the time i'm just going to be alan miles with an underscore um but go to the website that will direct you and then drop me a dm um and ask for an audit and we will put together something tailored around each individual person and business looking and mapping out the exact steps they need uh, complementary to be able to get themselves moving forward Amazing. Thank you so, so much. Anything else you want to add before we finish up? No, I think, well, just one last thing. And I think this is a, like an important thing from my perspective is always working on, on your mindset and really finding a way to build a fortress in there because building a business can be scary. It can be um, like quite anxiety provoking at points, but it can be an amazing thing as well. And I think if you can build a fortress in your mind to protect you and who you are at its core, it sets you up for battle. And that's really the key here. When we're going out to build a business, we're going out to battle and we want to show up with everything we can, which means we need to protect ourselves. And then just finally, one final thing is, is really understanding like, the good life like why are you trying to build a business for most people it's not simply because i want to build a business it's because you're looking to build a better life or a legacy or mm. get more money but it's about remembering the process here of you have to take care of yourself like don't neglect yourself because you are the fundamental team member in your business right so taking care of yourself wealth second because wealth you have to have money to live life and then it's about relationships, making sure that anyone who is close to you, family, children, friends, you keep those relationships going. Those three things added together equals joy and happiness, which is the fourth thing that everyone's always looking for. Thank you so, so much. I truly appreciate it. Let's go ahead and cue that outro clip. Thanks for listening to The Business Shift, where we chat about no-nonsense insights and strategies to help you transform your online business into a successful empire. If you or someone you know is an online business owner and are looking to increase the retention and ascension of their programs and outsource their fulfillment, I would love to connect. You can connect with us at yourclientsuccess.com. Until next time, keep shifting your business towards success.